Hello and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. If you're a regular listener, you know that I have, uh, by the grace of God and, and just because he loves me so much, the most amazing people in my life. And a lot of the people that you hear on my show are people that I have known for a long time, but some of them are new friends and new gifts that God has brought into my life. And today's guest is absolutely no different than that. When I met her for the first time, I knew uh, we had lunch. It lasted for an hour and a half, maybe longer, which is a standard for having lunch with me. And in that time, I knew forever that I would want to uh, know her more, that I would want to uh, be able to be connected with her more than I had before, because she is so amazing. And I left that lunch feeling like I could whip the world. And Everybody needs those kind of people in my life. She's inspirational. Uh, She is smart and funny and beautiful. And so I want to introduce my listeners today to Denise Abstin, Dr. Denise Abstin. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that. She is a pastor at Resurrection Free Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. Um, She is writing a book. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, she has been in ministry for more than 20 years uh, as lead pastors of churches, and so uh, she has a lot of experience and wisdom and just a lot of life that is amazing. So welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you for that introduction. Yay. Doctor, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, so when I began the ministry, I didn't have a degree. So one of the things that I talked to the Lord about was the fact that I didn't have an education. And so he said not to worry about it, and I began to complete a bachelor's degree. It took me 28 years to get my bachelor's degree. (laughs) That's awesome. And it took about three years to complete a master's degree from um, a college uh, in um, Illinois. And then after that, I wasted about six years before I decided (laughs) to start on a doctorate degree. And each one of my degrees are... um, different from each other. So the first degree was in legal studies, um, and the second degree was in ministry Uh and leadership. And then the last degree is in um, Christian counseling. All right. And um, you have a natural flow and kind of ebb to you that has the ability to kind of draw out people's stories and and I think that's really good. I don't know if that's because you have a master's in counseling in Christian counseling or if that's a natural gift that you have because you also carry a very strong pastoral anointing. And so uh but either way, I think that that's such a great gift that you have. Um tell us a little bit if you had to say, "Hey, this is Denise, this is who she is." What do you tell people when they meet you? What you see is what you get. <laughs> I'm, I am oftentimes tell them I'm pretty blunt and forward, open. I'm a good listener. Uh-huh. Um, I will um, try to discern uh, where you're coming from, try to look into your soul. Right. And, uh, and so you, you really do do all of those things. Like I discovered that about you when we had our first lunch. I thought, oh, my gosh. First of all, she hears what you say, and then she responds in such a way that lets you know she's really heard kind of behind the words to who you are. And a lot of that, I think we attribute to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and helps us, right? Um, And and you told me a little bit about your story about how you got called to the ministry. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Okay, so I was six years old when I knew that the Lord had called me to do something. 
Actually, when I was five years of age, I asked Jesus to be my savior. I was five years old, and um, when I was five, he, the Lord told me that when I was 40, that uh, one of my parents would pass away, uh-huh. and that he had an amazing journey, an adventure that awaited me when I was 40 years of age. So I wrote that on the outside of my Bible in large block letters. And from there, each Bible that I began, I would start out opening it up and write on the inside. When I'm 40, I'm going to start an amazing journey with God. He promised it. But I also know one of my parents is going to pass away when I'm 40. Wow. So those two things came to fruition. Um, When I was 40 years of age and the Lord called me, I thought I was nuts. because I was asked if I wanted to be an ordained minister, and I was in the pastor's office, and I said, what does that mean, (laughs) ordained, exactly? (laughs) Wasn't quite sure, and so he shared what it was, and I said, I I think so. Uh Um, I'd, I'd like to pray about that, and so I talked to the Lord, and I had five things that I talked to the Lord about. One, I said, hey, I'm 40 years of age, and I don't think that people are called at age 40 to be pastors. And he started laughing at me and he said, Moses, I called up. And when he was 40, I sent him out to, to pastor mm-hmm. sheep, shepherd sheep. And he said, at age 80, I called him to lead an entire nation. Now, Denise, do you think that at age 40 is the beginning or the end of your life? Wow. And I said, the beginning. Yes. So... And he reminded me, when you were five, I told you that you would have an adventure that begins at age, age 40. So then I told him, um, if you didn't notice I'm a woman, hey. And I said, I was pretty sure when the guy said, do you want to be an ordained elder, I looked around me like, what guy are you talking to behind me? And he said, no, I'm talking to you. And I said, but I'm a woman. And he said, yeah, exactly, you're a woman. And the Lord said, did you not read Joel, Denise, or Acts, where I planned to pour out my spirit on all flesh, both male and female? And so then I said, okay, I'm divorced. (laughs) And he said, yep, you are, and I can still use you. In fact, you might be able to help others who have gone through a divorce to go through this process too. So then I said, okay, I don't have an education. Uh And he said, I can take care of that. Don't be afraid of that. And I said, okay, last thing, and it's no big deal, okay? I mean, after all of those big deals, I said, I have a son. And he said, yes, you do. And And so that was the end of my conversation with the Lord. He said, go. Wow. And I said, I'm going. All right. I love that. Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, so I guess that kind of begs the, the, a little bit of the story behind the God encounter at five. Because um, we all anticipate that um, pastors who grow up in, um, in home, I mean, pastors or church leaders or whatever, generally that get saved early in their life, grow up in a Christian home having maybe known that from the early parts of their life. But that wasn't the case for you? No, my encounter with Jesus happened in Germany in a Lutheran church. Uh, My parents were attending a Lutheran church, but neither of them were Christians. Right. And so I had a Sunday school teacher, 
who um, I don't remember what she looks like at all, um, but she shared a story about when I was three that um, there were two baskets in heaven. Um, one basket was filled with um, prayer requests and the other baskets were filled with praises. And she asked us, here I am three, she asked us, which one has is full? And I started weeping. Oh, wow. And I said, the prayer requests are where it's full. We don't praise him enough. Yeah. So I often tell people, when children are small, remember that they are people, and they have feelings, and they might be really intelligent. Right. I think I think we do underestimate that. Now, my, my son is a pastor, and he will frequently say, there's no junior Holy Spirit. Right. The same Holy Spirit <laughs> that lives in adults also lives in children. Absolutely. And so we have to just recognize that Holy Spirit is who he is no matter what your age. And so... It's it's I love the story of how God could call a you know a five year old a six year old and 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 we all know that when you're that age forty seems like you know ancient that I mean anybody that you know is forty even right. if when you're fifteen or tw- you know fifteen forty still seems like those people are really old right and so the con- how, how did you navigate the concept of when I'm forty my one of my parents will die. I guess I just really understood that, that that would happen. I didn't think it would be um, my father. And I will tell you, it took me by quite a bit of a surprise. Um, the Oklahoma City bombing had occurred. Um, my dad had been fighting uh, lung cancer. Um, I, Because of what had occurred in those experiences, I was not, um, I wasn't paying attention to that calling at that time. Um, and so my dad was um, hit by a, uh, a bicyclist mm-hmm. who was delivering things in the street and he ran over my father. And um, that really triggered a traumatic um, a spread of the cancer. Oh, wow. So it didn't take um, long after that time. And um, I stayed with my dad and my, my mom. I left my own home and stayed with them. Um, so. I, I really wasn't concentrating on that this was a, a prophecy that had been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It was only later that I acknowledged that this was a prophecy fulfilled. Wow. So even as you even as you received that prophecy as a little girl and maybe not being able to have words or, or definitions around prophetic uh, things that are spoken to you, uh, how did you begin to process um, or how do how do you do? You just it was just something that you would never forget that the Lord had told you, and you kept it in front of you and stewarded that prophecy by writing it in the front of every Bible without probably even recognizing you were stewarding that prophecy. Right? Um, can you talk a little bit about that process and just the idea of stewarding a prophecy when you receive it? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> because not all prophecies are immediate. No, no. And I think that's, you know, I've been um, chided in the past by people who would say, don't tell everybody what you're thinking or what what the prophecy is. Uh Because prophecy is one of my, it is the highest gift that I have. Right. And so um, sometimes it's not a gift that's well received. Mm -hmm. We know prophets aren't often received well. And so if I go into, let's say, a new church, I'm going to 
um, lead away from the question that you asked just okay. for a second. No, totally. But um, sometimes when you go into a new church, you can see everything that needs to be done. It's an immediate process for me. I mean, I see everything unfold before me, what needs to occur. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a vision. There's, I see every step that's in, in that, and the Lord reveals that to me. And so sometimes in the early process of that, I would tell people this is what we were going to do, realizing or not realizing that sheep take that as big change. Right. And they get fearful, and mm-hmm. they um, it, it's nerve-wracking, and they say things back to you that, you know, you wonder where that came from. Mm-hmm. But I, if, if uh, you go to each of the churches, you will see that what I had prophesied actually came about sometimes six years in. Wow. But, and do you journal the prophecies or the visions that God shows you when you go into a church? Um, or does yes. It, how, does that, how do you navigate that? Okay, so I write everything down. I'm a journaler. Okay. I pray that way. So when I pray, I journal my prayers. I walk my prayers out. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, um, if it's not in a building, it'll be outside, but I'll talk with him the entire time about this. So he and I process this together. Sure. Just as when he talked to me when I was five, the same way he talks to me today. What a beautiful gift. Because <laughs> I think, you know, I think one of the things we have to recognize is that not everybody has that same, I mean, we all have our unique encounters with the Lord and he deals with us all in a unique way. And I think that we, we can sometimes get ourselves in a bind when we start saying, oh, look what he did for Denise. He talked to her when she was five. You must not love me enough because I don't remember hearing anything when I was five or 15 or 25 or 35 or 45. So recognizing that everybody hears from the Lord in, a, in their own unique way is, is a really interesting thing. You said something when you were, ta- when you were talking a while ago and you said, when I go into a church... Uh, I see what needs to be changed. Now, I know a little bit of your backstory, and so we've talked about this concept of the them sending you in to mm-hmm. churches that are in transition and helping, and you restore those churches. Talk a little bit about what that experience has been like. I'll talk about one experience. Okay. okay. So <laughs> I left a city church, okay. and uh, I was really excited about going to a church in the country. I really was. I was very excited about it. I've always wanted to be in the country. I live in the country. I love cattle. I love all um, the horses and all the feel of being in the country. But I like to work in the city. Right. Okay. And I'm really a city girl at heart. But I want that other side of my life. So I went to the country church and I walked in and unfortunately did the sizing up thing uh-huh. and then talked with the Lord about what needed to be done there. And the first thing he says is you're going to have to take them back to basics. And they're used to doing everything without a pastor because their pastor had been aging. Uh-huh. And he would oftentimes fall asleep and they would just have service around him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I brought order first. And that's the first thing I always institute as order. Uh-huh. And that was a challenge. That is a, to go from someone who has no sense of structure to, excuse me, but we need some structure here. How did you, because I'm sure you got pushback. I got lots of pushback. And how do you navigate that kind of resistance from the congregation? Because change is tough, change is tough for everybody. Yes. And so how do you, 
if you if other pastors are listening or new pastors or how do you what advice would you give them to say uh, how do I navigate implementing structure where they're and and it's a culture change mm-hmm. I mean changing and, and depending on the side of the church the the transition time it takes from point A to point B in culture change is different but how do you change culture without uh, having all of the people you know dive off the ship I think the important thing is find out who is kind of the leaders within that congregation. Mm-hmm. Sit down with them, talk with them, make some suggestions. Um, like I said, that was the first time I walked in there, and um, I anticipated that they would listen to me, and that um, because well, you know I think the biggest thing. Let me just say this: one of the after I preached one sermon, one woman came up. She was in her 70s and she poked my chest oh, with wow. two fingers and she said to me, I don't know if I can call you pastor. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, it, it, I don't even know if I can ever call you pastor. And I said, all right. <laughs> and she goes, well, and I said, well, what? And she said, well, I don't know that I can call you pastor. And uh-huh. I said, well, give me two years and we'll see. Uh-huh. And um, it was about um, six months later, and she came and she said, I'd like to be baptized. Oh, wow. And um, I think you're probably the pastor that I've never had. And she said, you really are truly a shepherd. That's awesome. So, um, and we stayed friends until she died, and I um, did her service, so. That's terrific. Uh, I still think that if we don't find leaders within the church and we don't talk with them and we don't get um, where they're coming from, we'll never be successful. Mm -hmm. And and you can have all the dynamo and you can have all the charisma and you can be um, genuine and still get nowhere. Right. They'll fight you. That's awesome. So your husband's not in ministry. Nope. How do you guys navigate that in your relationship? So when we married, um, we were not thinking about ministry. Mm -hmm. And so it was a couple of years later, I mean, quite a bit later. I was 30 when we got married, so 40 was when I was called. I was very engaged in the church. I was, um, in fact, the um, senior pastor at that time, um, was told by another uh, pastor from another denomination, um, stop wasting your time on those young men. She's the one that's anointed. Go see her, talk with her. And he said, she's a third grade girl Sunday school teacher. And he goes, she has the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how that started. And I went home to talk to my husband. And my husband's reply was this. One should never box with God. He always wins. Oh, wow. So he's always been supportive. Um, he's always um, been submissive to the Lord's will. That's awesome. Uh, let's, let's change directions just okay. a little bit. You're writing a book. I am writing Tell a me book. a little bit about that. What, okay. what do you want to share? So my book is, um, uh, my book is, uh, I'm going to just reveal some things about my own life in that book, and it has to do with anorexia nervosa. Mm-hmm. I was an anorexic uh, from the time I was 15 until I was 30. And and just reaching out to that 
that demographic in addition to other people who are struggling with with any other life controlling issues I guess yes and I'm glad you said that because a lot of uh, studies on anorexia um, reveal that it's not a control mechanism however most anorexics do find that being an anorexic has to do with controlling their lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so uh, that's an important uh, fact that um, science wants to say doesn't exist but it is I, I found in my practice working with people uh, who struggle with eating disorders of several different kinds that it really is a control thing and it controls their life right it's not necessarily even always them controlling everything but it is it is it does control who they are on a lot of levels yes even as as I enter into any type of fast mm -hmm. to do prayer and fasting I have to have someone else who will hold me accountable Mm -hmm. And uh, because it's very easy for my mind to go back to that. Interesting. That's super interesting. And, and I will fight it, but it, my mind knows that pattern and that behavior, and it's very easy to fall into that pattern. Do you have a release date for your book yet? No. Okay. Anticipated. I think it might be available in the spring of 2021. Yeah, let's say that. Okay. So. <laughs> Let's give me a date, so I'll Maybe we'll it. put a deadline on her and make her write faster. <laughs> that's awesome, because I think the world definitely needs, that's a book the world definitely needs to hear. And on a little bit of your story, I think it'll it'll be so powerful in the community. So thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank you. As you know, I like to end my podcast with some rapid fire oh, questions. Right. Uh, so these are not deep and theological. They're just the first thing off the top of your brain. Uh, and so uh, are you coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. Do you like black coffee or do you need it spiced up a little? Just cream. Just cream. And um, what does your favorite date night look like? Gabriella's. Uh-huh. Uh, which is Italian restaurant with my husband with one rose just hanging out. We sit sometimes um, uh, just alone and listen uh, to everything that's going on around us. That's awesome. Um, best book you've ever read, aside from the Bible? Wow. I have so many favorites. Right now, my favorite is um, In the Car. <laughs> <laughs> I call audible reading, just so you know. So if it's a book you've listened to, <laughs> and the book's name is In the Car... The book's name. No, oh. that's not the name of the book. Um, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard of that book. Multiplying that... Ministries is what it's called. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super awesome. Um, what, what's a, Do you like to cook? I love to cook. What is one kitchen gadget you can't live without? Cutting board. <laughs> Are you a wood cutting board or a plastic cutting board girl? Yes. Either one. Just, I need something to cut on, but that's not my counter. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um, favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate. Hooray. See, this is why I love you. Chocolate is great. Um, who's tea? Go ahead. Uh, cappuccino chunky chocolate. <laughs> is there a brand behind that? Uh, Brahms. Brahms. All right. Um, who's teaching you the most about Jesus right now? A four-year-old. That's awesome. The Bible says, unless we come as a child, right? That is fantastic. Um, do you have a life verse? First John chapter 3, verse 1. And it says? He lavishes his love on us and calls us children of God. I love that so much. Um, 
Favorite movie. You've watched it over and over. You can quote the dialogue. Wally. Wally. That's interesting. I don't know that I've had anybody say that before, so might have to go check that out. Um, and this is how I close out all of my podcasts with the same one question. And if you could say one thing and one thing only to make Jesus famous, what would you say? He loves you. More than anything, for sure. Well, Denise, thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the podcast. I know that the listeners have been incredibly blessed by having you uh, as part of the show. And I can't wait for your book to come out. I'm, I'm like, I'll, I'll pre-order the first copy if you'll just I'll tell me when it is. the first copy. Yes. I'll give it to you. Oh, that's, that is awesome. Um, so I can't wait for that to happen because I... I uh, I think I know it's going to be phenomenal. So uh, thank you to the listener for hanging out and listening to the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. This is that time in my show when I ask for my trifecta of favors. Uh, first, and for, would you do something super simple? Just reach over and hit that subscribe button on the podcast just so that all of the latest episodes will be in your feed. Uh, secondly... Uh, Will you give us a five-star rating on iTunes? That kind of helps our podcast bubble up to the top, so it's a little easier to find because um, either you have to type in He Doesn't Waste a Thing, which is a lot of characters, or you have to try to spell Melissa Zimmerman, neither of which is all that fun. So if you just uh, give us a five-star rating, other people will be able to find us easier. And finally, and most importantly, and the biggest favor you can do for me is would you share this podcast with your friends on your social media platforms, by word of mouth, however you'd like to share it and invite them to give it a listen. Because God has graced me with uh, just amazing people in my life and the world needs to know them. And so it would be so helpful if you would share this for me and we could grow our audience. And so thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you for, for, thank you, Denise, for hanging out with me and sharing all of your wisdom. And remember, until we meet again, he doesn't waste a thing.